Hello, and welcome to the IQT Podcast. I'm Dylan George, and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Caitlin Rivers, as a co-host for a special BNEC series on outbreak analytics and forecasting. You may be asking yourself, what is outbreak analytics and forecasting? Well, Caitlin and I will explore the topic with you. In this series, we will investigate what it is, how it has been used to help with pandemic response efforts, and what we need to improve these capabilities. Along the way, we will chat with a range of special guests who have developed or used advanced analytics for decision-making during outbreaks. These guests include world-class modelers that have worked to help understand pandemics and people who have been leading responses. We'll also talk with people working on technologies that could be useful for collecting, cleaning, aggregating, and analyzing data, the data that are needed for outbreak analytics and forecasting. So I think it'll be a fun series and we're excited about it and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. Uh, we have another interesting discussion today. Uh, today, I am joined on the podcast with Sean Burns from Outlier.ai, which is one of our portfolio companies here at Inkutel. And we're particularly excited about this company and its technology because we see real benefits for national security broadly. Uh, today, though, we're here to get an, uh, an overview of the company and their technology with a particular interest in what they have done and are doing to help out with the COVID-19 response. Uh, Sean, uh, thank you for being here. We appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, super. So, you know, data technologies in particular have been of interest to InQtel for a long time for a range of national security issues. Much of our national security in the United States is predicated upon this idea of technological superiority and data technologies are a key component of that. You know, similarly for health security, we see that data are critical too. I I don't think anyone would not appreciate that data are essential for public health and for guiding responses to outbreaks. Um, And so a range of companies and technologies have been helpful in developing capabilities to understand and respond to COVID-19 we wanted today to discuss a few of these efforts and um, highlight a few. So, but before we get into that, Sean, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, and what was the path that brought you to Outlier.ai? Yeah, so I went to graduate school about 20 years ago uh, for machine learning. Uh, back when we didn't call it machine learning, we didn't even call it AI, uh, it was just statistics. And we used to joke back then that what we were working on would never be relevant in our lifetimes, that the kind <laughs> of algorithms we were developing, the computers just weren't powerful enough to really see the value in them. Uh, and then, you know, put that aside, I went to go work in software for a while. I started some companies and I started a company called Flurry many years ago, which ended up becoming one of the largest analytics companies in the world. We did analytics for mobile apps, iOS, Android apps on your phone. And we, we became one of the biggest providers because frankly, mobile exploded and Flurry was the dominant provider of analytics in that environment. So we, I got to work with, we had hundreds of thousands of, of companies on Outlier. Most any app that you use between 2009 and 2015 was using Flurry. So it's probably still in your phone right now. And it was a great experience to be exposed, not just to how data can be used at scale, but to watch how a whole market evolves. Uh, but my frustration was always that no matter how much data we provided to customers, the problem wasn't the answers, right? Tools today are really good at giving you answers. And whether or not it was Flurry back then or Tableau today or even just database queries, whatever you're using, the tools are great 
if you know the question you want to answer. Mm. But often the hardest part is knowing the question answer in the first place. So at Flurry, I'd talk to these companies and they would say, Sean, listen, I love what you're doing. I love the data. But how do I know what to look for? Yeah. And I got that question so often that I realized that we'd hit an inflection point where we'd finally, we'd finally fulfilled the promise that we had in data. We finally had tools that would answer questions across massive amounts of data in seconds. And now the problem was, how do we know what questions to ask? And so Outlier became, which I started in 2015, so about five years ago, uh, my attempt to say, okay, what does the next generation of data software look like? And this next generation is going to have to bring us questions. It's going to have to look through the data to proactively bring us these questions. And, you know, we started Outlier with that problem in mind. Not quite sure, by the way, if you could do that. But it turns out five years later, you can. And it's a new category of software called automated business analysis. And it's taking the world by storm because, frankly, we need better questions. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's really great. I mean, it's this automated business analysis. I mean, on your website, you describe it as artificial intelligence techniques to automatically find these valuable patterns in the data. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, identifying these unexpected patterns in time series data, doing anomaly detection, handful of other trends so that people can course correct from a business perspective, but um, other organizations as well. Um, and so tell us a little bit more about this, you know, automated business analysis. And what what does that really mean outside of how you've already given that beautiful description of it already? And it's like, how is it taking us by storm? So you actually, you bring up a good point. What is automated business analysis? The idea is what would you expect from an army of analysts that could look through all of your data all the time automatically? And what would they bring to you? And can software do that for you? And that's what automated business analysis is, a software that you plug into your data. You don't tell it what to look for. You don't configure it. You set it up. You say, here are my different databases. And its job is to bring you the signal and noise. Its job is to find these patterns and bring them to you in intuitive ways that you can pick up and run with that question and find an answer if you need it. And you mentioned anomaly detection. It's interesting. People wonder, why have we not solved this before? Like, why is it that it's only just now that we're being to solve this? Anomaly detection has existed for 20 decades, 20 years, 30 years. Yeah. A lot of the challenge had been that anomaly detection was developed as a technique around sensors. So, you know, if, if, if the temperature jumps in the room that I'm in by five degrees in five minutes, that's really bad. That means that there's probably a fire. I mean, fire alarms are anomaly detection systems, really. And that worked re- that works really well in sensor systems. The problem is when you get to more noisy data sets like business data or like we'll talk about pandemic data where it involves human behavior, it's very noisy, those same approaches don't work very well. They generate an enormously large amount of noise and a lot of false positives. And so an anomaly detection system plugged into a noisy data set can generate thousands of quote-unquote alerts every day, which is far too much to expect yeah. somebody to go through. Oh, yeah. The difference between that is, like, if you had this army of analysts, what you wouldn't expect them to send you thousands of things. You'd expect them to correlate, to filter through, to combine things together and give you a report about big patterns that are happening, what the root causes of them might be, the reasons that you might consider them, all those sorts of things. And that's what that's what we do. And so the typical users of Outlier are often not even analysts or statisticians. They're people who want to make decisions but they have so much data, they have no way to get the value from it. And the job of our platform is to look through to pull those patterns out. And those patterns often aren't even anomalies. For example, some of the most interesting and important things Outlier, a system like Outlier might find for you are how the relationships are changing in the data, right? Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. how certain things that used to be true aren't true anymore. You know, such as, you know, um, even in the pandemic data, as an example, the hospitalization and death rates. Right. What happens when they decouple or what happens when they become more tightly coupled? So a lot of the most important patterns in the data are things that humans would struggle to find ourselves, even if we had an infinite amount of time, just because there's so many different things going on in the data. And, and, so and to be, yeah, that that is that is amazing, um, a, a really great description as well. And, and you've pointed out this kind of like the the challenges of looking at um, the the data associated with COVID-19 and looking at case data and hospitalization data um, and the potential relationships between those two. So tell us a little bit more about how you've been using your um, automated business analysis platform to help out with the COVID-19 response. Absolutely. And I'll start with kind of framing how different this approach is than traditional analytics, because anybody who's used traditional analytics has a general sense of how those things work, about what a dashboard looks like. Yeah. And I think the observation that we had was the flaw in traditional analytics is is everything is looking top down, right? You define a metric, right? Let's say in this in the case of the pandemic, it's going to be um, confirmed cases. Yep. And then you wait to see until confirmed cases doesn't look right, right? Maybe it's up too much or down too much, and then you're like, well, let me drill in and figure out why that is, and you start down the rabbit hole. The problem with that this is approach, exact, yeah, this is exactly what we're doing right now with the rises in cases and trying to determine whether or not it's coming from the 20 to 29 year olds and, and various kinds of other vulnerable populations. This is exactly what's happening right now. Exactly. Yeah. And so there's a few problems with that approach, which is underlying this entirely new approach that Outlier takes in this new category. Um, first of all, by the time something moves that top level metric, it's a fairly significant thing that's happened, right? And it's probably so significant that you've already lost the chance to be an early actor on that information. In this case, it could be the pandemic. But imagine any organization, the earlier you know something is emerging, either a problem or an opportunity, the more likely it is you can take advantage of it. So if you think about the world top down, you're essentially already filtering out all of the emerging changes and focusing only things that really have already kind of hit their, 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 their strength. The other problem is that there's a lot of offsetting changes in data. Right. So imagine we're looking at hospitalization rates. If hospitalization rates go down and this happened in the pandemic data where New York was able to get a handle on their hospitalization rates, everywhere else it goes up and they offset each other. So it looks flat, but it's not really flat. Right. And in fact, if you think about the top down view, what's really happening is all the changes are hiding behind the data. They're hiding below the surface in the shadows. And so in a system like Outlier, what it does is it, it analyzes from the other direction. It goes bottoms up. So when we plug Outlier into a data set, it's going to decompose the data set into every possible component. And so you think about the pandemic data, instead of thinking top down about overall hospitalization rates, it looks at hospitalization rates and confirmed cases by every possible city, county at the base level. And then it builds patterns up again. And the reason that's such a different kind of approach, one is it's very complicated. Use a lot of magic, you know, some fairy dust, a little bit of trolls, some magic, um, <laughs> a lot of machine learning. There yeah. actually is a lot of machine learning involved, as you can imagine, dozens of different forms of machine learning working together. But by going bottoms up and building these patterns, you can see these emerging changes happen. You can see the kind of early indicators. And that's why all these tools are so important is that they do something that your existing tools don't do. Now, you don't throw away the existing tools, right? We still need to know what are the total confirmed cases. We yep. need to know those numbers. And our our dashboards, our reporting tools are very good at that. 
But to get access to these early indicators is a whole different problem that Outlier solves. And so you ask what we're doing. When the pandemic first became clear, we started to plug Outlier into all the data about reported cases, reported deaths everywhere around the world. And Outlier begins to surface insights about these shifts and these changes. But the best part is you can plug Outlier not just into data about the pandemic, but other sort of data. So things about the weather or for some of our commercial customers, their logistics data. And um, what we started doing, and initially for commercial customers, they really wanted to get ahead of these things. And we have case studies on our website about companies that really did see all this coming because they were, Outlier was bubbling up these early indicators for them where they could see things happening. Um, but more recently, you know, I think what we realized was the, the insights Outlier was generating were so interesting and so different than the narrative you hear in the general public about these things that we started to publish a coronavirus tracker, which is essentially just the output of the outlier system analyzing all the pandemic data every day. Mostly as a public service, right? We wanted to make sure everybody had access to the kind of insights we were seeing. And I'll say I've been very pleasantly surprised at how widely that has become useful as a tool across a variety of both journalists, public sector, private sector people. Because, again, what it's saying is different than the overall narrative because it's looking bottoms up. And often yeah. what will happen is you'll see in the outlier and insights things that eventually do make it to the, the national um, discussion. But days or weeks later, because that small emerging pattern has become big enough to influence the overall metrics. So it's kind of we're trying our best to highlight it there. And, and I think the other thing that's happened is we're seeing more and more organizations then use that in combination with their own data to say, okay, let's understand now that we have enough history, um, for example, we know certain countries, we know the pattern they went through, so we can expect maybe that pattern will continue. What are the early indicators we saw there? And let's look really carefully for those early indicators over here. And it becomes a really powerful way to use Outlier because then typically, you know, Outlier is bringing you unexpected questions, things you yeah. wouldn't have normally known to look for. But once you're like, wow, so if this really subtle emerging pattern happens here, I know it happened before. I know what happened next. I can start to get much better at my predictive planning uh, overall. And so that's the next phase we're starting to see now where, where organizations are getting more sophisticated in their react in their response. And so really, it, you know, I, I think the pandemic is, is a horrible tragedy of, of a lot of different ways. But I do think that it is highlighting how this new type of software will change how we make decisions and how we approach data. Because yeah, I was, sort of, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was definitely particularly taken by the you, you'd mentioned the particular case studies that you put online of, of a couple different um, customers that you'd been working with. And they had um, seen the early indications of changing um, uh, consumer patterns in and they were trying to adjust accordingly. And it was. For me, it particularly struck me as very powerful because this whole idea of how is the population changing their behavior, how are they moving, dictates how the, the pathogen is spreading. Um, and having these early, early indications of what's going on in those spaces and, and understanding that behavior pattern, that was really fascinating. And that was really illuminating to me. It's like the power of what you could do with some a system like yours. <clears throat> No, it's, it's very true. And again, it's a very different way of thinking about it, though. Like you have to be open to the unknown. There are there are going to be organizations that are resistant to the unknown or that have no ability to act on the unknown. Things have to be structured and laid out. But assuming that's not you and your organization, 
these kinds of insights um, are really valuable. But I think it's also important that it's it, when I said it will transform how we use data, keep in mind that, you know, outlier is not coming out with an insight that says pandemic is coming. You know, yeah. this yeah. is going to happen. That's going to happen. These systems aren't prescriptive. They're not predictive. They're not trying to tell you what will happen next. And so it still requires a human to look at them and interpret and decide what that means. And there's a very specific reason that why this is such an important point is that in almost all cases of these unexpected changes happening, there is no, there's no, there's nothing, no playbook to follow, right? It's never happened before. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's not, this, the software is very good at being prescriptive if there's a playbook and you say, if this, then that. But in these circumstances, there is no. And so a lot of the the efficiency and effectiveness of these tools is also the efficiency and the effectiveness of the people who use them. Yeah. So when you yeah. see an insight, how well do you understand it? How well do you interpret it? How well do you react to it? How open is your thinking to realize that maybe what this is telling you is an entirely different way of looking at the world? Um, it's a very, This is why I think it'll be transformative. You know, it wasn't that long ago we all used to take paper maps to navigate where we're yeah. going in our cars, right? And then all of a sudden we got GPS units and I haven't been lost in over a decade, frankly, but it's a very different way of driving and yeah. a very different way of getting around. And it requires a very substantial commitment to the technology. So That's great if you're analogy. trying to use yeah. a GPS unit and also have your paper map on hand, you're probably getting more lost, right? <laughs> but if you yeah. just if you just adopt the technology and say, I'm all in, let's make it work, it, it changes the face of, of how we, we get around. Yeah, wonderful. But I, I love that analogy. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you work with some pharmaceutical companies as well. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, and so could could you describe a little bit about some of the work you're doing with pharmaceutical the pharmaceutical companies talking about it at a high level? Well, so our work with pharmaceuticals, frankly, mirror almost all the other work we do everywhere. So if you have if you work with millions, if not tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of consumers, a lot of things are happening to you as much as you are trying to make things happen, right? So if you're a pharmaceutical company, while you may have a patent on a drug. You don't control how often it's prescribed. You don't control how the insurance companies pay for it. You don't control do patients actually take the drug after being prescribed. There's a lot of things you don't control. And so understanding how those changes are happening across the entire world is difficult because, again, there's so many dimensions to the data. So we talked about pandemic data, but any sort of data like that, you know, if you're an individual person in an ecosystem, either being prescribed a drug or or whatever it might be, you have a lot of things. There's there's your location to find you, where you live, your age, your gender, all your demographics to find you, your cohort, meaning when did you start? Like when did you get sick or when did you start taking a drug? And you, everybody ends up with dozens and dozens of dimensions that turn into millions and millions of possible groups of people and scenarios. And looking through those to find the subtle changes is important. So, for example, the same way I was mentioning in the pandemic, you want to know, for example, when there is an early spike in confirmed cases that might indicate an outbreak is happening. You, As a pharmaceutical company, you want an early indication that what if there are secondary side effects that begin to emerge in a specific kind of patient? You want to know that really soon. Um, The same way, you know, maybe insurance companies change their payment policy if you don't realize that's happening your business can be threatened. And so what we help them with, frankly, is the same as, as our, we work with large banks like Capital One. We work with 
large brand names like Macy's, they all have exactly the same problem, which is there's so much happening in their business because they're so large that staying on top of it is impossible, no matter how many humans you hire. And that's what we help them do. Yeah. Now, uh, talk to me a little bit, too, about it's like to the degree that um, uh, is there kind of a threshold of the quantity and quality of data that you really need to have access to to make your system and your platform really valuable. Um, uh, the reason I ask is that, you know, a lot of people in, in public health and healthcare, well, more, more so in public health, argue that, you know, you can't really, you don't really need artificial intelligence. You don't need machine learning because the data are so, they're, they're not as dimension rich and they're not as um, varied and, and, and um, large of data sets. Uh, you, you can use basic uh, analytics. You don't need advanced analytics to kind of look at these. How would you how would you respond to that kind of an idea? Well, a funny story. When I was getting started with Outlier, I mentioned that I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I wasn't sure if you could do it. And the most common response I would get would be like, that's impossible. Can't be done. No way. Definitely not. And then when we started to prove that it could be possible, people were like, yeah, but it won't be useful. Like you could do it, but it won't actually be useful. And, of course, that's all changed now. So it's interesting how cynicism and skepticism follows a similar pattern. I think that, you know, the short answer to your question is that you don't need a lot, usually about three months of data in in a general history. Um, It doesn't need to be highly voluminous data. Um, It just needs to have a lot of dimensions to it because it is true. If you have a spreadsheet of data that has two columns, you probably don't need something like Outlier. Outlier is useful when you have dozens of columns on your data. And these tools are also best when plugged into the raw data. So to the answer to the public health question, I do think it's true. If you think about public health the way it's traditionally been thought of, which is aggregate metrics that have been rolled up from raw data, and those aggregate metrics are used to make the decision. And so would you use Outlier to analyze those aggregate metrics? Probably not, because those aggregate metrics, frankly, are a spreadsheet with a few columns. Yeah. But if you all of a sudden abandon what we think we knew, all the, the habits we developed because data scarcity was so high and the bar to find higher resolution insights was so difficult. And we say, you know, what we're going to do, we're going to plug Outlier into all the raw data we have. Then it starts to be powerful because now it's doing things that previously weren't possibly able to be done. So when we work with a customer, you know, a large bank, we're plugging into all the raw credit card authorization records, Right the raw record of when you dip your credit card to buy something or all the point of sale terminal data when somebody buys something at your register or every single transaction, every ad click, every website visit, all the raw materials. That's where all of these secrets are hiding. Yeah. By the time it boils up to your dashboard, you've already decided what's important. You've already baked all your bias into the business. And that's, I think, how people have thought about it so far. And so it does require you to think a bit differently and to throw away some things that we learned along the way based on how hard it was to work with data. But once you do that, it, un- it unlocks an entirely new way of thinking about it. And going back to my metaphor about driving, you know, we've had, we had maps for hundreds of years and maps got enormously sophisticated. And the problem was that if you ask somebody who was very good at maps, what the next step in the evolution of navigation would have been, they would have said more maps, right? And the reality was it took it took an orthogonal way of thinking to change the equation entirely to take a, a, a huge step forward. 
And I think that's happening here. I mean, it's the innovator's dilemma in action. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I think your credit card analogy is really, really apt here too, because we're on the cusp of actually um, having access to all that metadata associated with a clinically confirmed case in a diagnostic lab. Um, you know, a lot of that is boiled up and stripped away as it's passed through the system, just like the way that you described. But there are systems that are coming online where you get all of that information as the test is run. Uh, and so you could take advantage of, of all that raw data. And it really kind of stretches your imagination to start thinking about what could you do with all of that information? What could be possible if we had access to it and if we were using it? So it's, it, I think it's a really wonderful example. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you think about what happens if you marry that now with travel manifests. Yep. Right. And patterns mm-hmm. of migration and how what kind of insights do you start to see there? And it gets really exciting. I will say that one of the things that's different about our approach also than traditional analytics is that traditionally, if you wanted to do this kind of work, you had to like collect all your data into one place, into this kind of mythical data montage. Uh, I don't really like to use data lake because it sounds so amorphous. So um, <laughs> we'll call it a montage for now. And the problem with that was, A, there's a lot of privacy concerns about taking every every piece of data about people and putting it into one place. But yeah. it's also really complicated and very fragile to do that. It's just very hard. So in an approach like Outlier, we started with an additional constraint, which is that your data will be everywhere. And it will never be in one place. It will live in dozens of different places. And so to be able to do its work, Outlier has to be able to connect to all these different places independently and not suck all the data in and not make yet another copy of the data but essentially to analyze the data in such a way it doesn't have to leave those systems, that all of the restrictions, all the protections, all the security is maintained, and all we're extracting are the insights. And it's a very difficult model because it's so much easier to implement it using the old way of let's just pull all the raw data together and match it up and mesh it up. But if you achieve it, which this new generation of software like Outlier does, you can get all the benefits of insight without compromising the security, the privacy, privacy and security. Things. Yeah. Exactly. Which means that like Very when I, this example I had about combining the pandemic data with travel manifest, people hear that and say, well, they're going to track me wherever, wherever, where I'm going. Yep. Yep. And the exciting thing here is we don't have to do that. We're relying on more sophisticated statistics, more sophisticated machine learning to get to the same outcome without compromising privacy. So we're letting the math do more and more work instead of forcing the data to do the work for us. Yeah. So it's really, that part is exciting. And I think the other aspect of it, too, is that, I mean, each public health jurisdiction, well, I mean, is amazingly siloed, number one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, moving it from the locality to the state to the CDC, you're losing information along that pathway. And then our healthcare system is amazingly siloed. It's not a system. It's a system of systems. Mm-hmm. So each payer and each provider has their own system. And so trying to be able to pull that together and, you know, as you know, people don't want to don't play nice in terms of interoperability of data. And so this kind of system, uh, the way you're describing it, is really very attractive and very interesting to, to think about what could be possible in that kind of environment. Um, Absolutely. And I, I heard this term the other day, which I love, called data exhaust, which is great because you don't even know what it means. And you're like, that's cool. <laughs> right. But it was I the don't know what it is, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so much data that we generate that we've just thrown away because it was too difficult to work with. And so I'll give you an example. So we talk about treatment regimes and testing data. But think about all the data about ventilator maintenance yeah. right? in hospitals, yeah. right? Think about the power draw in hospitals, 
right? There's so many pieces of data that we just throw away today because it's historically been too difficult to make use of them. But with this new generation of software where there isn't a barrier, it literally takes a few minutes to connect Outlier to a data source and start getting some insights. So now you can all of a sudden be more aggressive. You can say, you know what, I'm going to toss a bunch of data into the mix, and I don't know if it's going to tell me anything, but I haven't had to spend millions of dollars and months of time to find out. I'm just going to go at it. And the good news is what you find is that there are things hiding in places you'd never guess, Mm -hmm. interesting relationships that are happening. And so what if you could estimate the patterns of confirmed cases or people in ICUs by the power draw of each room or each floor in a hospital, then you wouldn't have to rely on the public health reporting. There'd be no reason that you lose data along the way. You can consolidate in ways you couldn't before. That's just a hypothetical example. Total. Yeah, exactly. I you get know. it. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. Yeah. But it's yeah, exciting. No, it, you know, it's very exciting. I mean, you've inspired me to start thinking anew and trying to think about other ways that this kind of approach could, uh, what, what could it enable? What, start asking what if questions. And so it's very exciting having, having chatted with you about this. Um, it's so, very exciting having chatted with myself as well. Thank you. <laughs> so hopefully some of our listeners um, were similarly inspired by uh, some of the descriptions of what you're doing in your new platform. If people are interested in learning more about outlier.ai, uh, how would they get a hold of you and where would they find you? <clears throat> Yeah, so our website is just outlier.ai. You can actually subscribe to the coronavirus tracker I mentioned before, which is the daily report as to what Outlier is finding in the pandemic data. We also have a lot of videos, um, a knowledge base on there about using data to make decisions, a lot of great things that are out there. If you want to reach me, my email address is just sean, S-E-A-N, at outlier.ai. Um, but there's plenty of ways to reach us on the website as well. Well, Sean, it, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today, and we really appreciate you taking time to talk about um, Outlier.ai and inspire us with what could be possible uh, with technology like yours. Um, so thank you again for, for joining us. Thanks for having me. It was great. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Uh, be safe and be kind. Thank you for listening to today's episode as a part of the Be Next Outbreak Analytics and Forecasting series. Please make sure to subscribe to the IQT podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Podbean to be kept up to date on new episodes. For more information on Be Next, visit www.bnext.org. A special thank you to Carrie Sessing and the absolutely wonderful Kristen Zender from IQT's marketing team and to our friends at HeartCast Media for serving as our recording studio. Thanks for listening and take care.